0: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master new skill.
0: It's time. It's time. It's time. T- t- time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl-winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt.
2: Ten, five, Victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of Love Star. star. Welcome to another edition of Love of the Star. I am Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. That is the radio flagship home of the Cowboys. Joined, as always, by my co-host, the one and only Brian Broaddus, former Super Bowl winning NFL scout, now co-host of the G-Bag Nation, 2 to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday on 105.3 The Fan Dallas, and co-host of the pre- and post-game show on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. Brian, how are you doing
0: today? I am doing well, Robert. I am about to really start to enjoy this bye week. Me I always love I loved him. I loved bye weeks uh, when I was in NFL. I've told people before, when you're working in personnel, if you didn't have to play games, this would be the best job in the world. Just <laughs> like watch tape, like watch college players have a draft. Oh, on paper, they look pretty good. Well, this is the champion. So, yeah, no, it's a uh, it, – it's nice – and I do really believe this buy comes at a great time, and not only you know, for the players and for the coaches and people in the organization, but for the people that cover cover this team. You know, yeah. now you're you know we're we're going to get started here, and second half we're going to wake up, and before you know it, we're going to be talking about the Giants on Thanksgiving, and it goes fast. It really, really does. And just to get away from it for a, a few days is there's nothing wrong with that at all.
2: Yeah, it'll be a nice recharge, a a nice chance to, you know, get the batteries juiced back up. Uh, Coming up next segment, we'll talk a little bit about the NFL trade deadline. The Cowboys don't make a move. I know that disappointed some folks. But here in this first segment, since it is the bye week, uh, we're going to be talking about some broader topics. And it came at just the right time. We hit right here at the halfway point of the NFL season. So it can be a Midway Team Awards section here like this uh, yeah the game so so or to open the show today so uh, i'm gonna run through a a few categories here for you brian and, and we're gonna hand out some awards here on this team and you guys can let us know if you're listening to this episode uh drop us a review with your answers or tweet at us and give us what your answers are for these uh but let's lead off here with the first one brian offensive player of the year for the cowboys who do you got
0: is it too easy to vote for Cooper Rush? No, I'm I'm kidding you about it. You know, but, but I'll say this, though. Man, well, and I'm sure there'll be a category for a Cooper Rush. I think you have to say the offensive player of the year and, and likely is the combination of the running backs. Does that make sense right there for you? Sure. And, but yeah, like you
2: can split it between. Yeah, them.
0: I mean, because I always think of like the young tight ends as one guy. But I do like what these two running backs have done. And and I'm – yes, I'm the guy that says, you know, keep going with uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Keep going with Tony Pollard. I thought there was some interesting commentary that came out of – from Patrick Walker at DallasCowboys.com, interviewed Skip Pete, and some interesting comments out of that if you haven't read that story. But but if you told me offensive MVP or offensive players at the halfway point – I'd have to say it's the Cowboys running backs. And I and I'm not gonna distinguish between the two because I think together they've done a really nice job. So that those are my guys offensively. When you you know the you know, the, the, the carries that you know they figured out now how to use Tony Pollard similar to what they do with Ezekiel Elliott. It's no longer Tony Pollard coming in third series in the first half and third series in the second half, and if they go three and out, we don't see Tony Pollard for a while. They have Tony Pollard finishing games. They have Tony Pollard involved with the offense, Ezekiel Elliott. I think these two running backs have done a really, really nice job, and I think one of the reasons why you were able to survive with the Cooper Rush uh, quarterback uh, when he was playing was what your ability to run the football. Defense was big, but your ability to run the football, I think, was really important this time around.
2: I'm going to go outside the box because obviously we've had some struggles on offense here in the first half of the season. It hasn't always been pretty. I'm going to go with the guy that I think has been the most consistent player on offense. I'm going to go Terrence Steele. That's my offensive player of the first half. I think he provided stability there at right tackle that that was much needed. Um, He played well at times, better, I think, in, in certain games than even Zach Martin did. Um, And so, so those games that in the past, if Zach Martin played poorly, you were probably losing that football game um, because it, it was such a detriment, but he has been an elite level run blocker. I feel like out there at right tackle. And he is a, about a league average, I think, pass blocker.
0: Yeah, I know that you're, you're absolutely right about that. I, and as people who follow our show and listen to it, and we thank you for doing that. I threw a lot of dirt on that kid. I threw a ton of dirt on that kid. And I've told you, I felt like he was a good run blocker, questionable pass blocker, but he's more than a questionable pass blocker. I, I think there's some, if you grade him 65 plays, like I always say, you know, 63 of them are going to be really good. And there's going to be 60, there's going to be two of them or three of them where you cover your eyes and you're like going, oh, they got away with one there. But, I, you know, when you start to talk about the way he's played, the way the offensive line is played, and there was a lot of questions after that Tampa game. Sure. Of really. How good could this line be, and is it going to be a detriment going forward? I like what you did with your vote there with Terrence Steele.
2: Let's go defensive side of the ball. I feel like this one's probably pretty easy, but Brian brought us your defensive player of the year for the Cowboys through the first half.
0: Well, you know, it's obviously you could say Micah Parsons for sure. You know, that's the way. But, you know, you you look at what others have done along the way. Uh, Adorns Armstrong and what he's done. You look at what Tank has done, you know. For I mean, those types of players, uh man, Deron Bland playing a couple of times like he's played. I know it's not defensive player of the year with a guy that's only played a couple of games, but you know, look Wilson, the way he filled in for Curse. If you know, you they, these guys play key roles, but if you vote for anybody other than Micah Parsons, you're probably gonna look like a fool. <laughs> But I want to identify others on that defense that have clearly stepped up and made plays when they had to.
2: Well, We'll both say Micah Parsons is Defensive Player of the Year, so we're going to give our runner-up. Who's your runner-up to Micah?
0: I think the guy I mentioned – I love what Tank Lawrence has done. I really, really do. I think that when you start to talk about consistency throughout – and you mentioned consistency when you said Terrence Steele. Mm-hmm. But look who's played the run and the pass, I think, equally well though, as a rusher and as a run defender. I think Tank has done a tremendous job with that. You could also vote for for Dix and what he's been able to do uh, playing. But I'm going to give my vote to, uh, to, uh, to Demarcus Lawrence because I think he's been one of the most consistent players you have on the defense.
2: I think this team's past defense has been really, really good, and a big part of that is Trayvon Diggs has matured and, and progressed into being a, a really strong cornerback who doesn't just take the ball away, but somebody who who plays with patience now. Uh, you know, He seems to play with a lot more discipline. Uh, I know Dan Quinn has talked about that, praised him for that in recent weeks. So my runner-up is Trayvon Diggs, but I do like not only that you say Tank Lawrence there, I like the other name that you threw out while we were talking there, Donovan Wilson has been really big for this team, especially when they've been without J. Ron Curse for some periods of time. Uh, I I think Donovan Wilson has been absolutely huge for them.
0: Yeah, Bobby, and you know, the way you live out there with the team out there at the Star, and you're around Dan Quinn and others quite a bit, they could not say enough things about nice things about Curse and how big of a loss that was and curse not available, and this is going to hurt us, but Donovan Wilson came in there and didn't miss a beat and playing that role of that sub-package linebacker and playing it well and showing range in games and showing ability to tackle. Yeah, he wasn't always perfect. Like, we've seen curse be perfect as a tackler, but I'll tell you what. They were nervous about curse being out of the lineup Donovan Wilson stepped up big time for them in those games. Yeah.
2: Dan Quinn compared it to, since it was the same of the first week he compared it to, we kind of lost our quarterback on defense. Right. We lost right, Ron curse. Right. And so he, he compared him to like the loss of Dak for them on that side of the ball. And so, Uh, That that was very much high praise. We look at the rookie class now, the Cowboys rookie of the year through the first half. We we got a few candidates. You got Tyler Smith. You've got Sam Williams. Jalen Tolbert has been a disappointment. Um, You've got Jake Ferguson. Deron Bland has contributed. Uh, Who is your rookie of the year for the Cowboys in the first half of the season?
0: I think it has to be Tyler Smith. I mean, there was so much uncertainty about him coming into like, you know, after that That, uh, you know, after Tyron Smith went down, it was like, okay, well, who's going to play left tackle? Who is going to be that guy? And Tyler Smith, even though he played it at Tulsa, he was a guard. We, you know, at training camp, you know, Bobby, you and I sat there along the fence and we watched him play guard. And we watched him battle with Connor McGovern at at guard. And, you know, he never took really any reps that I saw at left tackle right. and then all of a sudden he's now your starting left tackle to the point where you're going to get likely get tyron smith back uh practicing after indianapolis or at least starting to and then getting reps in the jacksonville game that's kind of the timeline and i know we're going to have some Stephen jones discussion yep but if you want to look for a timeline you know tyron smith you could squint and see Tyron Smith in the future. You, you, there wasn't a time for that. But I think that what Tyler Smith has done at left tackle has been huge. I Real quick, I don't want to steal your thunder. No, go ahead. But but the combination of the two tight ends. Yep. The, you know, I mean, there have been games where Dalton Schultz has not been very good no. you know, because of injury and problems like that.
2: It and was, chemistry with the backup quarterback. Horrible. Yeah. But
0: all of a sudden, you know, uh, with with uh, with the way that they played, I, I think it's amazing that those two tight ends to the point where you're like now with Schultz and heck they ran a package last week when you watched the all twenty two where they put Ceedee Lamb in the backfield and just attacked like in thirteen personnel. Yeah, they just said, you know what, you can't. You know, we're gonna we're gonna make you put your heavy guys on the field. And we're not going to let you get those guys off the field. We're going to just keep attacking you and screens, spot routes, whatever they had to do to get the ball those tight ends, they were able to do. But my my guy just going back, circling back. I'm always long-winded, but Tyler that Smith is my man. guy. Yeah.
2: So uh, it's interesting that uh, you throw out Tyler Smith because I think that that's uh, the the right answer um, because of, of everything that was going on with the instability there. Um, but I, I want to make it a little interesting, so I want to vote for. I, I'm going to take somebody opposite from who you pick. So if you take my pick, I'm I'm going to go another direction, so we get some shine here. So to me, if you want to say who has played the best when given their opportunities, who to say best. Bland? Go ahead and say Ron, Bland. Ron, Ron Bland's the rookie of the year if yeah. you, I, because yeah. Ron Bland in two starts has been has played the highest level at his position when asked to step in. I know it's been for a fewer amount of snaps, but the two games he's asked to play, he's been a difference maker. He's made big plays. He's played really, really well. And so for me, I'm going to go Duran Bland as my rookie of the year. And and I think you make good points about Ferguson and Hendershot. I am I, I hate that I didn't even mention Hendershot in the little lead up here. I, I should have. Uh, but just, I was thinking draft class. But um, you know they've gotten good contributions at times from Sam Williams. They've gotten good contributions uh, from Jake Ferguson, Hendershot. Uh, but I think when you look at who has played at the highest level on a, like, you know, pound for pound, snap for snap basis, it's been DeRon Bland to me. Um, no, I, I don't so.
0: think you're, I don't, I tell you what, I, it's when, when you, I knew what you were going to do, and you're absolutely right. And to play the position of slot corner, that's not easy in the National Football League. They put those guys in the slot, and all of a sudden, you got to carry the whole field. And, I thought initially that it was a little bit of shakiness with the tackle stuff, but also he kind of found his way in the commander's game, got a key interception in that game. And then you look at what he was able to do, you know, last week in that game. I'll tell you what though. I, I don't think you're wrong about that. And I, I can see that kid only getting better there. Yeah. You, you need to find a way to keep him on the field as much as you can.
2: Yeah. Uh, three more categories here for you really quickly uh, assistant coach of the year obviously like we we have only one head coach so uh, we, we we don't have necessarily coach here but if you look at assistant coach of the year um, and and if you want to make it a little more interesting not necessarily pick a coordinator and, and and pick an actual position coach I think there are several to pick from you've got Lunda Wells uh, who's done a great job with the tight ends uh, you've got uh, Joe Philbin, who deserves a lot of credit I think for the stability that he's provided there uh, by the way public service announcement that I need to get out here We've all been saying the defensive line coach's name wrong. I I, I know we were saying it's dirty, it, isn't it? it? It's dirty. It's dirty, dirty. as but we've got the first name wrong. His name is not Aiden. Oh, Joe no. Joe Trahan from Cowboys PR told Jane Slater and I we were floored, it's Aden. So it's Aden dirty is his name. Adden so, dirty. Adden. Okay. And Jane Slater went up to him and said, Why haven't you told us we got it wrong? He said uh, he's like, you know, with my British accent, people, it already kind of sounds like Aiden when I say it. And so I just don't correct people, but add it is dirty. I,
0: I knew, I knew we had the back end of it. Right. But uh, I,
2: yeah, add it, add and dirty. So there you go. But uh Brian, your uh coach of the year could be a coordinator and assistant coach, but, but who's your guy?
0: Yeah, I'll tell you what, man. I, another guy that I've kind of thrown a lot of dirt on is, uh is Joe Philbin, you know, and, and this offensive line. Now I will say this. Ad, I will say that Ad, you know, on defense, you look at what they've done with pass rush and all that stuff. But man, there were a, I mean, there were a ton of questions again about this offensive line. How could they play with this tackle? What were they going to do at left guard? Man, the center looks a little shaky to me. The right guard's a hall of famer. What's going on at right tackle? There were a lot of questions. You know, this team is six and two. You know they didn't score a lot of points, but they didn't do anything to get Cooper Rush killed in games. You know yeah. they didn't they didn't give up sacks in the Philadelphia. I mean the turnovers were bad, but they 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 did their job. And I think that Joe Philbin deserves some credit for that. And I I man I have ridden the roller coaster on Joe Philbin. I have completely ridden the roller coaster on him. <laughs> you know it, it happens. Yeah. So. I I would say, I would say, uh, I'd say, Derdy is second, but Joe Philbin, a tip of the cap to you, what you did with this offensive line.
2: All right, so I'm going to go Lunda Wells because we have talked about the two. Oh, the tight ends guys.
0: have been great. Yeah,
2: the that they made. Yeah, I think he's done a great job with that group. He's helped bring Sean McEwen along the last couple of years, and and that's a guy that they really like. Now he's built a really strong tight end room with a, a group that didn't have a lot of like heavy capital invested in it, um, and has just done a great job to have these guys prepared. So I'll go Lunda Wells since you took Joe Philbin. I think Joe Philbin's a great answer too, as is Add Dirty. Uh, you know, I, I think that that's. Add a, and dirty,
0: add and dirty. I got to move
2: that. Dirty. We'll, we'll get it. Uh, Doug Nussmeyer's done a great job with Cooper yeah, Rush. Sure,
0: absolutely, yeah. Uh,
2: so, so now we'll go with the final one here in the last couple of minutes before we wrap this segment. Most surprising player Brian brought us. It, it's got to be Cooper Rush.
0: Because I thought there was no way in hell. I'm sitting there thinking Will Greer's a better option right now. Yeah, me too. I mean, coming out of camp, I'm going, you know, Will Greer was injured. He didn't get a play, and I believe it was the Denver game in the preseason you know he played against the chargers they didn't really kind of move the needle but for what they were trying to do on offense i kind of felt like that will greer was going to be that guy but no they stuck with they stuck with cooper rush he was four and one how could you not how could you not be surprised of that the yeah. fact that they did not that this team could have died and he didn't let it happen he he did everything in his power to play to his ability, play to his strengths. You know, at the at the game against Philly was a was a difficult game. But I'll tell you what, to be four and one when we all were like talking about when does the draft show start after week one, give Cooper Rush the credit right there.
1: Yeah,
2: helped keep this team alive. Didn't hurt him. Um because if you if you had a quarterback that was gonna hurt you, uh you were gonna lose football games because you, you won some close ones. So so that yeah. matters there.
0: I thought, yeah. I also uh, Noah Brown is another one.
2: Yes. Noah Brown.
0: Noah Noah Brown. Yeah, Noah Brown. Now you're you were struggling, you know, you're sitting there thinking, okay, what are they gonna do since Michael Gallup's out? Yeah, Noah Brown has come up big in some games. He like we always say he
2: won them the Cincinnati game.
0: Cincinnati game, no question about it. Five targets, five catches. Every one of them was huge. It was either a third down reception or a fourth down reception.
2: Absolutely. And and he's a guy who consistently was always a training camp superstar. So even though he played well in training camp, I was like, all right, that doesn't matter to me. We're going to get to the regular season and then it's going to be the same old story. And he proved a lot of us wrong here. So I think those are two good names. Cooper Rush, Noah Brown. So, again, so that we don't have any overlap, I'm going to pick a different name. Come out of left field with you on this one Uh, or instead of left field, come out of left guard. Connor McGovern. I was ready to throw dirt on Connor McGovern. And that was a guy who they were doing. You know, everybody was trying to do everything they could to replace him, whether it be with Tyler Smith. And then when Tyler Smith bounces out to left tackle, trying to replace him with Jason Peters. And he's been really good for the most part. He's been banged up. He's had the ankle issue. But he's been a really good football player for them and I think been really solid left guard and helped Tyler Biotish as he's come along too.
0: How about Fowler? Were you surprised... Fowler, I,
2: I always thought Fowler had it in him though, to, to be a situational pass rusher. We've seen yeah. it before. And so to me, I thought he always had that potential and, and just what we knew about Dan Quinn and how he was able to get the sure. most of the guys. I, I didn't know. This is something that let's be honest here. The offensive line coach would have loved to have gotten rid of Connor McGovern like yeah. like before this year. And so the, the fact that he's been able to survive and thrive, I think is a big deal. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Sign Up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast.
0: Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky
2: All right, Brian, Stephen Jones, Cowboys Executive Vice President of Player Personnel, spoke with the media on Wednesday in the aftermath of a trade deadline where they didn't get anything done, but they sure as hell tried. We'll talk about that here in just a second. Before we do, I need to shout out our wonderful partner here at Love of the Star, Boomer Jacks. It is Wednesday night when we were recording this podcast, so you know what I had for dinner. It was Half Price Boneless Wings from Boomer Jacks. It is the best deal in town. On Tuesday night, if you're into bone-in wings, you can go to Boomer Jacks and they'll give you half-price bone-in wings. So whichever your preference is, you can go to Boomer Jacks and they've got you set up. Tuesday, it's the half-price bone-in wings. Wednesday, it's the half-price boneless wings. They've got drink specials starting at $3, the coldest beer in the Metroplex. The coldest beer really around anywhere, to be honest. And it is the perfect atmosphere for whatever you're looking for. Wall-to-wall TVs, live music, every game you can think of is up on those screens. Boomer Jacks has it covered 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by heading over to boomerjacks.com. That is boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, the Cowboys did not make a move for a wide receiver or anybody else at the trade deadline, the trade deadline that saw a number of moves. It's, it's, it's wild. It's becoming more and more like, you know, the MLB trade deadline. There was a, you're like a flurry of moves on, on Tuesday. Unlike we've ever seen. Uh, I think they said it was the most deals ever made at, at a trade deadline in NFL history. Uh, so a really active time Cowboys tried, uh, you know, there've been reports out there. I've talked about it. They were trying really hard to get Brandon cooks here. And, and Houston just would not give up the, would not pitch in on the $18 million guaranteed salary next year. And so for the Cowboys, they decided against it. I think they had compensation all settled. They just were, were worried about the financial implications of it. Decided not to pay it. I think Brandon cooks would have been a great fit here. I think they, uh, I'm very confident they checked in on Jerry Judy, very confident that they at least, you know, picked up the phone and checked in on Chase Claypool to see what was going on there. I'm sure they checked in on some other guys and were rebuffed. I, I, I don't doubt that they at least placed a call to ask about DJ Moore and were told, nope, he's not going anywhere. Uh, but the one they got really close with was Brandon Cooks, and that's not one that they've said. Steven didn't say it was Brandon Cooks, but, uh, you know, that that's the name that I, I heard. Brian, I don't know if you heard similarly. Uh, that that was the guy that they were really interested in. That was
0: him. Yeah, they were going after Brandon Cooks. Which makes sense. Robert Britt's connection. Absolutely. And I think you you laid everything out perfectly. Um, It's real easy when you talk about these things with the Cowboys, and fans don't want to hear it from you and I, but seriously, I talked to people on both sides of the fence on this one, and Dallas thought they had a deal done. They really thought they had a deal done and there was some thought about that maybe that Nick Cesario, uh, the GM uh, in Houston, might have overplayed his hand a little bit, and that turned some things off with with the Cowboys. But they felt like that they had a deal done. And, you know, I was told really both sides tried hard to get it done. It got down to the point, too, where even – you look at the situation with the the wide receiver there with Brandon Cooks. You know he later tweeted out you know his disappointment and all that. And I I want to say it got far enough along where that that the Oilers, oh the Oilers, the Texans probably told him that he was going to get traded and yeah. that that they were working on it. And when it you know when when the Texans didn't follow through, well then. That's what disappointed him that, you know, I was told you were going to trade me or you had a deal. Dallas believes they had a deal Mm -hmm. and they, they're there. And this is again, folks, I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass. I'm just telling you, you know, this is a situation. Sometimes you get in Dallas was trying to get this done. And when I, when I tell you this, I've lived this. It takes two teams to want to trade. You know, you get a team that's saying, okay, here's the pick. Here's the compensation. What do we need to do? And, you know, you find out that the one side wasn't willing to do what it took necessarily to make the deal. Mm -hmm. And I am not protecting Jerry Jones or Stephen Jones or Will McClay or Mike McCarthy. I am not protecting them. You know, if you listen to me enough, I'm critical of everybody involved. You know, did I want them to make a deal? Absolutely. You know, because I thought it could have helped them, especially Brandon Cooks. But it takes two to make a deal done. And all the information that I was able to gather, it didn't sound like that the one party you were dealing with was willing to make that deal.
2: And before we get into these Stephen Jones cuts, I'm just curious, from your perspective, having worked in in front offices and in personnel departments, Does that sort of, when that sort of thing happens, does that damage future negotiations? Does that like turn you off? No,
0: no, you can't get pissed. You can't get pissed. You never know. I'll be honest. They have, I will tell you
2: guys this right now. Alden Smith was very close to being traded to the Seattle Seahawks in 2020. And the reason it didn't get done in large part was because of some hurt feelings, I think that occurred during the Earl Thomas trade negotiations where yeah. they felt like they were being held hostage in the Thomas negotiations and being asked to pay a different price. And so it was turnabout about as fair play. And well, no, you're going to pay a different price for Alden Smith than somebody else will. Yeah. And, and I think that that's where that place. So, but you don't think it's enough to where it damages things where they won't pick up the phone and call on them. me
0: on me personally. I, I wouldn't let it bother me. I just know next time that I want to work with the Texans that it's going to be really hard because, you know, listen, we, you know, I'm telling you, Dallas tried to get this thing done. They really, really did. And that's the thing that I think bothers them that like, okay, we this is what we were going to do until I hear differently, which I don't think I will. I, I, I'm still dealing with the Texans, but I also know that like in the, the next time that we do this, that I'm not going to go through all this again and get all the way to the altar and have something happen. You're either going to do this deal or you're not. And, you know, but I I don't think you can let it. I think you got to keep you know, keep your wits about yourself because if you get mad at every team, you won't have any trading partners. Right. You know, you never, you know. I think Steven Jones to deal with on the phone is very easy and agreeable. You know, when I was in Philadelphia in 98, I don't think we called Dallas on anything. But, you know, I worked with the Joneses for 14 years. I've seen them work the phones. You yeah. know, do they do they want to win the trade at times? Absolutely. Who in the NFL doesn't want to win a trade? Right. But in this case, I do believe they identified as Brandon, Brandon Cooks as a guy they needed to have. And they just couldn't get it done.
2: Uh, Love of the Star was out and present at AT&T Stadium for some Stephen Jones media availability today uh, on Wednesday. They were uh, they were announcing a concert. Uh, Brian scheduled- Billy Joel. Billy Joel with Stevie Nicks, which I, I don't know. I, personally, I feel like they're burying the lead. I I would have Stevie Nicks above Billy Joel, and I know Billy Joel's the headliner, but I'm a bigger Stevie Nicks fan than a Billy Joel fan. Just and I like both. But I'm Stevie Nicks.
0: Stevie Nicks broke my heart in Baton Rouge in the '80s when I was in college there. She uh she was too inebriated and couldn't perform. Uh, she like uh, fell off her the stool and all. I mean, it was it was a it was a bad situation there in Baton Rouge. Uh, she was no more inebriated than everybody else in the crowd, but I'll tell you what, I've seen Billy Joel a couple of different times and he puts on a hell of a show. And I, I You're know gonna I'm going to be only, there.
2: You're going to oh, be there. Oh yeah.
0: I'm going to, Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm going to be there. All Billy right. Joel, sure. I'll be there. And another thing like Billy Joel, Elton John, guys like that. I mean, Hey, you can start with song one. And then by the time there's song, 18, you probably sang 16 of them, you know, by heart. <laughs>
2: Well Stephen Jones talked to reporters after the announcement and uh, addressed some of the trade deadline discussion. first question here Stephen Jones how close were you to making a trade on Tuesday
4: You know what I always say about close you're never there till you're there but uh, it was an intense day and really you know felt like we had some things that might uh, work out but uh, unfortunately they didn't and uh, on several fronts and uh, you know we just weren't able to uh, to get it done. Sounded like
2: they had a few irons in the fire. There, not just the Brandon Cooks thing. The Brandon Cooks thing, I think, obviously was the closest to it. But with all those irons in the fire, Stephen Jones, were you disappointed you didn't get a deal done?
4: No, I mean, we were obviously there were some situations where we thought it could help our team and it would be good for us at the where we were, and felt like maybe things were coming our way. And uh, but you know, we're we're very pleased with our team, and just because. Uh, you don't make a trade doesn't mean you know that's not the only way you acquire players Uh, certainly we can continue to to look for ways uh, to make our team better and we will but uh, you know at the same time we got some guys at certain positions uh, that are going to be available uh, to come off the IR designated to return that can help us Uh, but we really like this team we like the depth on this team Uh, we were probably you know for the most part looking in an obvious area Uh, we're you know, people might think we could use a, a little more help there, uh, but I still like that. Uh, I, I like our crew there. I like uh, I like CD. I like uh, I like Gallup. I like Noah. I like uh, uh, I think Tolbert's coming. And then uh, certainly, as I mentioned, we have guys that are uh, on the IR that can uh, come off that as well. In particular, James Washington, who's a veteran in this league, uh, certainly can bring help. And then uh, you never know what other opportunities might arise out there if we feel like there's an upgraded situation there. And, of course, left out Turpin, who's obviously an explosive player that, uh, you know, as we continue to get our hands around some of the things he can do, can uh, bring some offensive uh, firepower. Ryan, Stephen
2: Jones talking there, saying trades are not the only way that you can add players. And
0: comes Odell, on- Beckham. Comes- Odell Beckham! He- Odell Beckham! He Odell Beckham! comes Beckham!
2: And he says, uh, you know, if something comes our way, I'm not saying we, we won't necessarily uh, look for that upgrade. He can say all day long he's not referring to Odell Beckham, which is what he told Todd Archer when he said something similar after the game on Sunday. But let's be just completely honest. What Stephen Jones is hinting at there—the only possible player he could be talking about—is Odell Beckham, isn't it?
0: Yeah, if you're looking at players that are outside of, you know, a free agent, Ty Hilton. I mean, they, there's guys that they could have gotten. I think they're interested in seeing what they got in James Washington. I, I do. I think that's. Uh, but you know, the the thing, you know. I, I reached out to some people and I'm thinking because of my connections with LSU. And I reached out and I said, Hey, have uh, you heard anything about the Cowboys running a physical or anything on Odell Beckham? And my guys at LSU and they were all like, "Going, No, no, I haven't heard anything about that at all. So, you know, but you know, the minute you start to hear that maybe Odell is like going to take physicals for people, remember when they did it with Malik Hooker? Yep. guys like that they start just giving guys physicals yeah you know, they bring them in give them a physical and that gave the Cowboys the opportunity like listen Malik you're not ready to play now but we'll sign you at the end of the year when you're ready to play so I think once we hear that maybe that uh that Odell is visiting places or that someone's sneaking him in for a physical you know then I think that's something I think that will appear on the waiver wire too. I don't. I can not I don't. It used to be tryouts and physicals were on the waiver wire. Yeah, I, have, I believe
2: they, I believe they still are.
0: Yeah. So then, if that's the case, everybody in the league will know who you're bringing in on these physicals and stuff like that. And I, I kind of feel like if that's the case. But I, 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 I don't know. I mean, maybe it's pie in the sky to think that they're going to go get Odell Beckham. Uh, but I think I think at the very least
2: what he's referring to is not even necessarily like, hey, we're interested. I think when he's referring to there are other ways to do it, and stuff like that is he's letting us know. I reserve the right to change my mind and begin. Sure. 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 I, I, think, I think that regardless of whether or not he's talking about they are actively pursuing or whatever, is that he's saying that's the guy he's referring to of if we want to, we can go after him. Yeah. And so I think that's the player that he's clearly inferring about it, receiver was not the only, uh, move that was, was, uh, in contention for the Cowboys. They obviously just traded for Jonathan Hankins after the deadline, they released Tristan Hill, uh, their, their second round pick from 2019, uh, Stephen Jones today on the release of Tristan Hill.
4: Well, of course we were working on a couple of things with him as well yesterday. And, uh, You know, had some some opportunities that just didn't quite fit on player for player type situation. Tristan's a good football player. We just, uh, you know, we have some, uh, you know, as we call them, the bigs. We're we're a little heavy there. Of course, traded for a great player, uh, a really solid player in Hankins in terms of what we felt like uh was an area we needed to improve uh, with the run game. Uh, he certainly brings help there, and we just had to make a tough decision uh, from a number standpoint. But uh, Tristan Player is a, a really good football player, and I, I know he'll continue to play in this league.
2: Tristan Hill, by the way, ends up with the Arizona Cardinals today. He gets claimed off of waivers. Uh, but, but are you surprised with how Tristan Hill played and, and the, the opinions that were around the league that they weren't able to find somebody to bite?
0: Yeah, that's – it's – you know, they – I'm sure they did their best or due
2: diligence to shop.
0: I, I talked to some he
2: said, It's interesting. He said they're player for player
0: swaps. That yeah, they were, they were. They were looking for a similar they, type. Yeah, they're looking for depth swaps. Yeah, depth swap. I I I asked somebody about Tristan Hill, and I said, "Are you okay with him moving on?" Because you know, maybe some of the things that we kind of heard about attitudes and stuff. And this guy gave me a very honest answer. He says, "Listen, he came a long way." He yep. really matured with the ACL injury. You know he can help somebody, uh, but the scheme wants like three hundred and thirty pound box guys inside. He's not not the Rod Marinelli type. He's ju- you know he he's just not a deterrent, and yeah. that's that's the vibe. I was thinking that like it was going to be well you you okay with seeing Tristan Hill gone? And to be honest with you, I was expecting an answer of. Yeah, you know, we'll be fine. But they were honestly very complimentary of of Tristan Hill. And and what and Stephen Jones was complimentary to you don't want to burn any bridges with anybody. But, you know, there's times we've heard Bobby Smith immaturity problems and things like yep. that. But this one uh, member of the front office I reached out to, uh, you heard the comments there.
2: Yeah, I think that if this is last year or even the year before, it's probably described a little differently. Uh, but like you said, I mean, I told you guys that on uh, told you guys on GBag this week that I think that he had a little bit of a moment of reckoning this offseason and kind of looked in the mirror and was like, oh, maybe I'm the issue here, and I yeah. did a lot of growing up. Um, it's just unfortunate that it clicked for him so late. You would have liked to have seen that click for him a little earlier in his career, and, and maybe things are different. Uh, you were listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Selling a little or a lot.
5: Get IXL now and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash audio. Visit IXL.com slash audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right, it is time
2: for our favorite segment of the show. It is the listener mailbag. This is where we turn things over to our dear listeners on Twitter or uh, in our email for their questions and their topics for us to answer here in this final segment. Before we do that, I need to say thank you once again to our wonderful partner here at Love the Star, Boomer Jacks. I've been telling you guys for the last month, if you are fans of wings, which who isn't, Boomer Jacks is the place that you need to go. On Tuesdays, it is half-price bone-in wings. Wednesday, it is half-price boneless wings. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, whatever else, they've got all the sporting events you could possibly want up on those giant TVs of their Wall-to-wall TVs, live music, drink special starting at $3, the coldest beer you will ever taste. Boomer Jacks is the spot. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. Again, that is boomerjacks.com. Okay, Brian, first question here from at the J.A. Massey. Chances that Brandon Cooks clears waivers if waived by the Texans. Now, I don't know if the Texans would waive him. Uh, Things are clearly sour there. He didn't practice today. Uh, I think it was designated with wrist slash non-injury or something. Uh, So he's clearly unhappy there. And if he were to be waived, there's a lot of money left on that contract. It's certainly, I think, at least within the realm of possibility that somebody would let him clear and then get into a signing battle. It's just at that point, Dallas no longer has control over where he goes. And they have to bid with other teams uh, for what the player wants. Uh, but overall, I think there's a possibility that if the Texans were to do it, and I don't know that they would, but if they were to waive him, I think there's a decent chance he would go unclaimed.
0: Yeah, Although I think he, so. Yeah.
2: Is he, well, is he, is he even, like, does that even apply to him with the vested veteran stuff? No, no, no.
0: From this point on, after the trade deadline, everybody's subject to waivers. So it's not a vested veteran situation. So if he goes on waivers, you're going to have to claim him and the entire contract. Uh, and, you know, that's where you're kind of at. It might be a situation, too, where some of these teams that are bad, uh, that are struggling right now, that, you know, like they need players, you know, maybe they're thinking about next year, maybe adding a guy, you know, you don't have to fight for him in free agency. You just claim him, and then you claim the entire contract. So I think with that contract that there would be a possibility that he would clear, but I've also seen bad teams go ahead and say, well, we're thinking about 2023. And having Brandy Cooks on our roster at 2023 might not be a bad situation for us, especially for light on wide receivers.
2: Question here from uh, Nanu Nanu. Shout out to Mork from Orc. Mork from uh, Ork. We, we touched on this a little bit in the first half of the show, talking about first half. So this is projecting out a little bit. Who is your MVP for the second half of the season? For me, now that he's healthy and the way he's looked the last couple weeks, I'm going Dak Prescott, because this team will go as far as Dak Prescott can lead him, I think.
0: Yeah, I think the MVP for the team. Uh, I think it's going to continue to be Micah Parsons. I, I just feel like that there's going to be some big games. This guy has made back-to-back games, two huge plays. He makes play a big play every game, but he continues that that the tackle he made on the uh, the tight end right, you know, at the one-yard line, the fumble return, you know. I, I think that that huge play in that in that football game. I think it's it's going to continue to be Micah Parsons they're going to need to be really great on defense. They're about to play some teams. When you look at the Packers, I know it's been a struggle with the wide receiver stuff, but it's still Aaron Rodgers. And Minnesota really runs the ball. Minnesota's got a good offense. They're going to need and they're going to need him to play really well. And then you got the Giants on Thanksgiving, who run the yep. ball really really well. I think it's going to tend to be Michael Parsons.
2: Next question here from Phil. Do you think this team is the same as last year in a sense that we can feel good about beating the lesser opponent, but have an issue with beating equally matched teams? Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting uh, really quickly. We can actually play this clip. Uh, Steven Jones was asked about the differences between the 2021 and 2022 Cowboys. So I'll let him answer your question for you.
4: I like both teams. So to say there's a huge difference, <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Uh, I think our defense is coming you know, it's probably further along after another year under Dan Quinn. Uh, I think our offense was more ready to go because uh, Dak didn't miss any time. I mean, he was he was game in, game out, consistently there. What I like about this team is the upside uh, that we have with our offense. And as I said, we got to see a little taste of that uh, against the Bears. They're a good defense, and, and I think we can continue to get better. So I guess if there's any difference, I just feel like this team – you know, still has some some pretty good upside in terms of improving as an overall team.
2: You agree with that, Brian? That this team has a a higher ceiling still to go than the team last year at this point through the midway. This, this
0: team is better. This team's better. They're better on defense. Uh, they're they're better on special teams. They've got a kicker that's consistent. They've got a big time punt returner. You know, they, their special teams is good. They block extra points. They block punts. They get big returns. You know, they're overall a better team defensively. Offensively, they got their quarterback coming back. They run the football. Their offensive line doesn't give up sacks. You know, I, I kind of feel like this is a team that is going in the right direction. We saw the quarterback come back, uh, you know, against the Lions. He looked like that he was just kind of getting his feet wet. And then against the Bears, you saw what Dak Prescott could do throwing the football. So, yeah, these tight ends, uh, these receivers, I think they're going to get guys going. I really do appreciate the fact that they tried to add a deep threat in Brandon Cooks, somebody that can really stretch the field, but they're going to figure out ways to get these guys more involved. They're going to figure out ways to get Turpin involved. They're going to figure out different ways to get the ball to, uh, to Pollard out, out in the flat, maybe get a screen game developed and stuff like that. I think this is a better team than the one that played last year.
2: Question here from Allen: uh, How do you think Damone Clark looked? Where do you guys rank uh, the the linebacker groups? And what's going on with Jabril Cox? On the we've talked about Jabril Cox recently. I just don't think they're as high on Jabril Cox. They're
0: right not. Now. They're not right now. I mean, he's got to figure out a way uh, to go out and make plays. I mean, he hasn't been active. They, you know, it, it's a little bit like Tolbert. You know, maybe you throw a lot at a guy, and you know, he didn't pick it up as quickly. I, that's just me. You know, that's me just speculating. Oh,
2: and, and they need help on in the run defense, and that was his big weakness. That out. was
0: – absolutely. And, and Clark – I think Clark was fine. I think early in that game, Clark was kind of feeling his way through, much like Deron Bland was against the commanders, kind of feeling his way through, and then he kind of figured some things out. Ended up with six tackles. But he and Leighton Van Esch, I thought they had some really good communication between the two of them throughout the game. I could see him, you know, continue to get opportunities to play. Uh, you know, Anthony Barr, I think, is a 50-50 player. And so if if you're telling me that Clark is out there, can cover ground the way he does, can tackle the way he does, I, I'm going to continue to play him uh, in, a, in a lot more snaps.
2: And I'll just ask this because I know when we last left off, uh, you had not watched the tape yet. Um, so that Damone Clark question was a follow-up to the, to the tape viewing. I know you had a chance to talk this week on G Bag. When we last left off, we were trying to figure out what happened on the Dak Prescott interception against Chicago. What did you come away with uh, after you saw that?
0: Yeah, Bobby, this is just my evaluation. I haven't, you know, I've said it earlier in the week on Monday, and nobody's come back and killed me for it. But you're in a situation where, uh, to me, the way the route combination went, it looked like they were trying to hold the tight ends underneath or hold the linebackers underneath with the tight ends. And then they found they were trying to keep find a way to run a route across the middle of the field in front of the safety. And it looked like to me that that uh CD was a was wide when there should have been a little bit more of a bend inside, and then they were going to complete the ball. I think Dak was expecting him to cut in front of the safety there, and the route never got there. You could see CD kind of hesitate and then try and burst at the last minute, and he was like a half step. From really from knocking the ball down, if not getting at least knocking it down. So uh, yeah, that that was a route combination where I felt like Dak was. At first, I felt like Dak wasn't didn't see the safety after the game, but you could clearly see he's got his eyes on him and he knows that route's potentially going to break inside. It just never got there. So
2: do you think the question then just becomes, was it a dig that CD didn't run sharply enough? Or was it a post? And Dak shouldn't have tried to to take the pass. Is that basically what this comes down to? Of what route was CD running? Was it a dig or a post?
0: Well, a dig to me would have been a little bit more of a like a shallow crossing kind of a route. But yeah, I you know, I, you know, people are arguing that if it was a, still a post, then why was it? Why was he so wide? It, it I think was, he let
2: I think he led up. I think
0: he led up too. I think he lit up too, but Dak threw it like he was expecting him to be. You don't throw the, yeah, Yeah. you don't or flatter. He, I mean, the route needed to be flatter, is what it needed to be. So, I think he was expecting the flatter route there. And I, I, I'm just, you know, like I said, that's my opinion. Looking at the tape, Uh, nobody's come out and said, "Hey, Broaddus, your dead ball is wrong on that." So, (laughs) you know, I've said it a lot on certain platforms.
2: That does it for us today. We will be back with you guys on Friday with another episode. And then next week, we'll be fresh off the bye and uh, looking forward to playing these Green Bay Packers. We will talk to you guys later.